So kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go Hello and welcome to the Deja Review podcast, where a group of film lovers get together and discuss a cult or a classic film that one or more of them has just watched for the very first time. I'm Mike Cairns. As always, I'm joined by Kane Porkchop Daniel. Hi, I'm Canus the Insanus Daniel. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, Canus, hey. <laughs> and we are Sebless again, but... We're very lucky because we have Alex Heath here with us once again. I'll be filling the role of the woman who's sort of slightly bemused, but mainly just disapproving of your lame <laughs> jokes. <laughs> Old Canis. And this week uh, we discussed the classic <laughs> 1997's Con Air. Um, we thought it would be best to uh, to get Alex in uh, because uh, we ha- we did the rock and, that up. and we've got to follow that one up. Mm. Um, and uh, Kane, your uh, any any sort of uh, you know teenage member remembrances? I, of this I film? hadn't seen this. Oh, you hadn't seen <laughs> yeah, it either. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, wow. but I don't know. It's, I it's, thought it was Alex who hadn't seen it's it. It's so funny. I look back at this film and Ceylon Moa Man or whatever, yep. and there's all of these movies that I think of that I like desperately wanted to see mm. and never picked up at the video store. Yeah, it's so weird. You were in sixteen when this came out. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I would have been able to see this mm. at the cinema for for sure, but it's just so weird to me that there's so many films that I remember having the strong feeling that I wanted to watch that which I never picked up. I think it's got to do with that thing that I mentioned before, like like I just rocketed into pretension, you mm. know, at a certain age. You know what I mean? I think like, anyone who knows you'd <laughs> yeah. believe that. But like a, a switch got flicked and it's like, oh, those films are no longer for me. You know what yep. I mean? And and maybe it happened in like that uh uh you know Ninety-seven in, in between. Yeah, 97. <laughs> yeah, that in between period. Well, this was a this was a big film for me. Um, this was right in the sweet spot of oh, uh, me watching just stupid films <laughs> and loving stupid and loving films. It. Oh my god, I remember um, just uh, I've got um, two like two two little stories that um, uh, so. So I build websites for a living, um, and the first website I ever built was a voting website about wh- whether The Rock or Con Air is better. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did it have its own URL? Oh, yeah, it would have been, you know, was it conrock.blogspot. Uh, <gasps> you know, right. Yahoo. That's so cool. But, but, you didn't, but you didn't buy a domain Oh, no, it. no, oh, we right, didn't right. know how to do that. <laughs> um, but it definitely had some GIFs on it. It had a one of the stat counters, like to oh, collect love, the hit counters at the bottom. And I probably did some artificial uh, beefing of the numbers, doing a bit of uh, refresh <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff. But probably the, uh, the, the other one is, um, and it was funny watching this re- movie reminded me, <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
because I was super cool. Um, and <laughs> everything uh, I've heard about you on this podcast definitely is <laughs> led really lit. Yeah, I mean, from the coolest, from coolest kid in school. From birth. Um, and uh, I remember that on the uh, on the Martin Malloy show, they mm. were interviewing Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson, and they'd announced it, and I knew it was coming. It was you know, and I was like, oh, all right. So after school, I caught the tram up to the Triple M offices. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to hopefully go and say hello. <laughs> and I walk in. And this was before I understood basically anything, mm. that um, like an interview could be pre-recorded. Mm. Oh, um, shit. So I walk in and the, and the <laughs> this spotty little turd walks in and goes, I'd like to... Uh, Maybe say hello to Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. They said, oh, no, that was recorded like a day ago. I'm like, oh. And did the Charlie Brown walking home kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, what a dick. That's so cute. Yeah, that's that's, um, opening the kimono a little bit (laughs) bit too wide. Um, But um, no. Don Simpson died before this film went into production, right? uh, Maybe it was Jerry Bruckheimer. It was one yeah. of the. It was one of the producers. Yeah, right. he died around this time. Yeah, yeah. I think that this was um, the first film uh, of it not being Don Simpson, right. Jerry Bruckheimer. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, no, I watched this movie a bunch, and it was you know. Um, but then again, I uh, much like The Rock. It's probably been twenty years since I watched. It and boy, howdy. Yeah. Um, what 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 got your vote at the time? Yeah, Rock or Conair? Probably The Rock. Because I really like Sean Connery, mm. um, but you know, I was I was certainly in the tank for this. Had mm. the soundtrack, had everything, you know. Um, but um, you know, bang opens American flag, mm-hmm. drums. Mm-hmm. U.S. Rangers are an elite they team. Never leave a man behind. Yeah. Um, and then we kick into the beautiful Trisha Yearwood song oh, no. of How Do I Live Without You? And I just like I'm watching all this again, and I'm like. How did I like this? I know. It's a real question. <laughs> oh, it it's a real so question. Rough. It's yeah. a rough movie. But so Simon West, I think, directed it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I was watching it and I'm like, you're doing a bad job of trying to replicate a Michael Bay movie, mm. which mm-hmm. is a bad thing in, in in itself, but he does it so poorly. You don't like, want to be a poor man's Michael Bay. No, it's just he is a poor place man's Michael Bay. no one needs to be. And, um, and Mark Mancina is doing a bad Hans Zimmer yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, um, I hate Hans Zimmer, but it's... Boom. Yeah, but it's just so funny that, that it, like, they're probably... Uh, the two biggest authorial imprints on The Rock, obviously the director, but also Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. And and in both cases, there's kind of like these bargain basement versions of yeah. both of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, yeah, it was it was just one of those real. And again, it's it's uh, one of those great examples of uh, of um, the the sort of the the idea behind this podcast is, you know, revisiting these things from your childhood that you thought were the coolest thing you've ever seen. And you're just watching it like, oh, it sucks so hard. (laughs) Yeah. It is so bad. Um, No spoilers. Well, um, so uh, as we were entering the recording, Alex, you said you didn't get this, understand what was going on in this movie. Well. I, I kind of feel like they basically... 
spoon feed you this entire okay. movie. Yeah, okay. You know? Like the, the opening, you know, like five minutes sets and everything is set up. Like yeah. everything yeah. is absolutely Yeah, because, because somebody is like explaining it in detail via <laughs> exposition yeah. at every goddamn like yeah. turn. Yeah. I guess I guess my question is more not so much what but why. You know, why are any of these things happening? And yeah. that was what I found so perplexing about the whole experience. No, I was I was confused yeah. by the whole movie the whole, most of the way through because yes, I mean everything gets laboriously set up with somebody <laughs> going like they're going into the this plane, it's this yeah. plane and this guy and the blah blah blah. Yeah. Um and they but, introduce all the bad guys as yeah, well. Yeah. Like it's like it's like the, yeah, like a they, video yeah. game or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Just the but, absolute antithesis of how you're meant to make a movie. Yeah, you it's know a real I mean? tell don't show. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, I guess the problem was that I hadn't actually seen it before, and I thought that I had. So I went into this thinking that Kane was just the one who hadn't seen it. I'm oh. like, I must have ambiently watched this at some point. But yeah. then I realized watching it, no, I've never even like caught it on TV. Um, and I remembered the reason why is because it had so many of my teenage character actor crushes in it that I, and I didn't want to see them playing such like gross villains like Malkovich, Bashimi. I didn't want to see them like as serial killers and child rapists yep. and killers and um, the Marietta Mangler. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to have, I didn't want such a tenuous sexual interest to be snuffed out, basically. And I assumed that that would happen watching, um, you know, Steve Buscemi. And I was really concerned that he was going to rape that child, mm. which he doesn't. No. Great. No. That was some character development, I think, was yeah. that was supposed to be it, so that we could be happy that he gets away at the end. But <laughs> no, no, but I love that. It's just like he murdered thirty people, yeah. and he's just supposed to. Oh, good idea. Yeah, he let like, it go. Yeah, and then and now he's just playing craps at the, yeah. the casino, and he's yeah. just like, sorry, oh. to like but, but, really yeah, race ahead there, but so, yeah, yeah, you, this is yeah, we're racing ahead, but as Steve Buscemi is meant to be like so, the biggest, much like this movie, the most, the most, <laughs> the most scary serial killer there ever was, Dalmer eat your heart out or mm. whatever. And Literally, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> there's there's uh, there's a scene where he just sits by this weird child in, in a, a pool, pool, just yeah. like staring Playing at her, playing tea parties and yeah. singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah. Where we've been introduced to him as like even more epically yeah. chained up than Hannibal Lecter in his famous airport yeah. scene. Oh, so um, funny with. And stuff those I'm point not of even... view shots as well, yeah. like, you know, yeah. and it's like, yep. But, but yeah, the only people for me missing from this cast were Willem Dafoe and Christopher Walken. Those were my other two yeah. main. Yeah. And I, I did think I was extremely cool and different. Me and my friend Svetlana were obsessed with those actors mm-hmm. um, and thought, well, yeah, just were all like rebels, <laughs> like pretty punk rock to think that they mm-hmm. were super hot. Yeah. Not like Brad Pitt, you know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. we were... Like watching yeah. Uh, yeah. Sleepy Hollow and thinking the Headless Horseman was the hottest thing happening. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but that scene in the pool, like, it serves nothing. Oh, no. You know, he's just no, sitting no, there No, being... no, no, no. The, the scene serves to create this tension um, where you think, oh, my God, any minute now he's going yeah. to rape and no, murder totally. that child. But and n- then you don't know if that's happened or not. And so you're sitting kind of on the edge of your seat until they eventually cut back to her waving to the plane as they all yeah, fly yeah. away. But what I'm saying is it matters not a whit to the plot. No, to, nor, not to the nor, plot. Nor, nor, nor does character. it develop Steve Buscemi's character in any way. I think it does. 
does. I think it, it what, gives it, us... We already know that he's like a creepy killer dude. Yeah. We get now, it. But now we have what? a reason to cheer when he gets away. So his arc, <laughs> his arc just pays off with yes. him like sitting in front of a little girl? Correct. Yeah. That's so stupid. I don't um, think you are remembering who you're dealing with here. <laughs> but um, and when I, I, I sort of looked at the running time of this movie, and <laughs> and, so and it is, it's I so wanted long, to it's, cry. It was all these times you think it's going to end. Yeah, you don't end. And and like everything is spoon fed, set up. Everything is right there for you in the first five to ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then. <laughs> it just it goes, it just, and it yep. just it is so long. Um, but man, like sort of circling back to that sort of you know the poor man's because um, yeah, this makes look makes the rock look like a masterpiece. Mm. Um, but there's you know in these movies, um, you know especially as a fifteen year old, you want that one sequence where the hero just takes, you know, takes control and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. There is like five of these yes. in this movie, like every 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they it's just diminished returns. Like yep. you just mm-hmm. want him to, you know, finally just crack and, you know, yep. and, and give his one liner yep. and do it. And it's just sort of like, come it, on. Yeah. And you he's know. even done it at, you know, in that final scene where you think the movie's finally, finally played itself out. No, nope, no. There they go in a fire truck and now Cage and Cusack are hopping on police bikes that somehow have the keys in them and they're going to be racing after this fire truck. And you just, truly, I wanted to cry. I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah. I was just so and, bored. And and when, you know, like, it took them a really, like, Cyrus really died. You know, like, yeah. you know, you think, yeah. oh, he's going to yeah. get, he's going to get poleaxed into a building. Yep. No, nope. but then he falls through power lines. Yep. So then, oh, yeah. he's electric shocked. Nope. No, no. <laughs> he, he ends up in a hydraulic, <laughs> a hydraulic, a hydraulic and gets his face smushed. And it's like, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Um, and also just, you know, like one of the, 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 the sort of the, the things about Michael Bay is that quick cutting, like no yep. shot is like longer than two seconds. Yeah. Fuck me. Like, like, especially that last sequence, it's just click, cut, cut. I had no idea what was going yeah, on. We'll see, oh, yeah, we'll see. No idea. That's this, what I'm saying. What it's I'm like saying. you can spoon feed plot wise as much yeah. as you want, but you can't actually follow the activities of these players that have been put yeah. into action. Yeah. Like, you may know where the, you may know where they're going to ultimately end up, yeah. but the getting there is so visually jumbled and confusing that if you look away for just a moment, you're like, oh god, where? Are, what? Huh? Yeah. Ah. And I think a perfect example of this is that, um, uh, you know, they, they uh, when they're at the junkyard and, you know, like the, the, the police cars are the coming down yard. the boneyard, mm. right? And they and they even like, you know, um, sort of do the little, you know, rocks with the cans and sort of show like mm. they're coming down here. This is mm-hmm. what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And you just think, all right, so they're contained. You should be out, you should be building like a sense of um, geography, uh, geography mm. and um, feeling, uh, oh, what's the word, claustrophobic and mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. None of that. No. Had no idea where anyone was. No. There was just shit blowing up. Yeah. And it was and, Ni- whole... and Nicolas Cage running around with his gun in a real like just like flexing while he's holding his gun mm-hmm. as well. Like he's sort of holding kind of quite high. And I mean, like he's in looking, you know, he's in great shape for this movie. Mm-hmm. He's but in um, incredible he's shape. He's really pumped for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um but um but yeah, it's just um I I'd They sort really of only did that that um I feel they only did the setup where Malkovich is talking them through the plan using the the cans so yeah. that someone can be like and what's the rock yeah. in the and he's like the ro- rock. it's just a rock yeah. like that was 
100% just a setup for that one gag yeah. and not supposed to be illustrative or interesting or creating a sense <laughs> of claustrophobia or moving the plot forward in any way. It was literally just for that gag, it's, it's, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and it's so funny because there's so many attempts at humour oh. that all just sucks. Humor is a very just, way yeah. to put it. No, they're trying to be funny, which yeah. they're manifestly not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like every gag just like falls on the floor with a thud. Can but, I? But it's like Dave Chappelle is marginally oh. funny. But, it's but then like, he gets killed off. Yeah. But oh. it's but it's just so funny to me that like to to make even like any of the jokes just like marginally like maybe kind of like a little mm-hmm. bit funny that to get like one of the funniest guys there ever was and, he, you know and, I mean? and apparently he just riffed it all yeah um but um but yeah it's uh but i mean the sort of Ooh. level i don't know if you if the listeners have watched it recently but so the, what's the premise just quickly yeah, so, all right, so the worst of the worst, mm. the poster child for the criminally insane, yeah. all happen to be on this one charter flight for, for uh, the uh, Department of Corrections. To, to so a convict aeroplane. Yeah. Yep. Con Air, mm. as mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. known. Yes. So they're all getting on, for some reason, all the worst of the worst. They're yeah. all together. Because why, so why wouldn't you just You would them? definitely maximize your chance yeah. that something was going to They're all go going wrong. to a new supermax prison. Yeah. Yes, Felton, I believe. Yeah. Mm. And um and yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, then, Except but that Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage, Cage is, is a actually man. a good man. He was a he was a, a army ranger. ranger. Army ranger. And he's a deadly weapon and that's deadly why he weapon. went to prison for we love, 6 years. It, that's yeah, that I mean, scene we love where the judge says, yeah. "Sir, you're a deadly weapon. Yeah. You shouldn't be roaming yeah. the streets." We have no choice. I was about to say, was, to, the, um, was it the the, the laws um, don't apply? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. The laws don't yeah, yeah. apply to you. Natural justice <laughs> yeah. isn't applicable yeah, yeah, here. Exactly. But he he gets to prison because uh, he because he, re- he returns from his tour of duty. He meets his like uh, like uh, disposable woman, uh, pregnant Potter. wife. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, pregnant wife. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, to the strains, as Mike mentioned, of uh, Faith. Trisha Yearwoods. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Faith Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Trisha Yearwoods, How Will I Live Without mm-hmm. You. Yeah. And, and they say women's pictures are corny. That was one of the most <laughs> corny reunion scenes I've seen oh, in my yeah, life. Oh, yeah, and they crank it up as well. I life. So at the bar, some, like, corn-fed hayseeds, oh, yeah. like, uh, try and... With a strange disrespect for the military, which doesn't seem to track. It doesn't really track, yeah. For yeah. the Mobile, Alabama... Support the troops. Types, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they they want to do something, what, like hit on his wife? Yeah, they want to fuck his wife. So they want to like, I think the idea is they're going to beat him unconscious and or or, or worse and yeah. then rape his wife is yeah. the art general. Right. Anyway, Nick Cage rebuffs them. I'm just trying to catch up with my wife here. Uh, then they go into the biggest rainstorm there ever was and ever has been. <laughs> <laughs> like raindrops the size of goddamn yeah. uh, dinner plates. Dinner plates, sure. And uh, yeah, and the 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 hayseeds try and assault them, and Nicholas Cage accidentally kills one because he's a, a deadly with weapon. A, with a um, you know, a, a punch up, puts pushes his nose up into his brain. Uh, oh, uh, that's not nice. That, that, that'll sting. Well, yeah. it's hard um, to tell with every. Yeah, cut I honestly being like didn't know how it frames. killed him, and yeah. I yeah, was yeah. paying attention. Um, but then, so he goes to prison for seven years. He won't let his daughter come and see him. 
because he's a you know he's a he's all about honor and would refuse to let his daughter meet him for the first time in prison. Oh, he um, he had a daughter he wanted to meet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I kind of yeah. missed that. Um, but uh, what I loved about this because he's it's a very wiggy film. Oh boy. Um, but. To show the passing of time, mm. his hair grows longer. Like, yeah. but, but it doesn't. Now, Alex, you know a lot about hair, <laughs> right? You, you, you I, work I'm, in the, 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 yeah, the hair world. I do work in the hair world. Does it take seven years to grow your hair that long? I'd say it'd be longer than that, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, but I think you're missing the key plot device here, which mm. is, it's Jesus. Oh, He's a Christ figure. Oh, right. He's meant to be. He's such a good I think and you're giving this. I think you're giving this. No, no, I reckon he's meant to be a Christ figure. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't think we can even give him that much no, credit. No, no. I think Nick Cage just had this, this weird idea about... I, okay, I, I, will, I will say that, like, the, the director wouldn't have had the idea, but if anybody had that idea, it would have been Nick Cage. Yeah. Nick Cage gets very invested, even in the yeah. most marginal role. But in, in the, and in, does care to express things through hair. In, in the exposition, while he's waiting to get out of um, prison, he's, like, reading uh, letters he sent to his daughter and received from his daughter. And it just made me... And, and saying in the worst Southern accent <sighs> ever. Just appalling. Um, it, it just... It just I, I couldn't help but think, what if, like, this beautiful makes me cry every time um, uh, speech that... Uh, Nick Cage gives off screen at the end of Raising Arizona. Mm. Like, what if that were the shittiest fucking thing ever? Because <laughs> that's exa- because he does kind of a he goes to the same well. Yeah, and uh, and and it's funny because he does a southern accent in Raising Arizona as well. But because the film is kind of so cartoonish and stuff, mm. it tracks. Yeah, I, I don't know. You don't I, mind it for I, some. I reason? think it's because he's specifically going for an Alabama accent, and I right. think he's trying to communicate to us, the viewers, that he himself is not fully taking this seriously, or he's doing some Brechtian thing. I'm sure in his own <laughs> mind, where he's trying to draw attention to his own performance. Yeah. But I like mean, Nick, Nick Cage n- never does not. Commit. Hey, he can act doing upside down, uh, you know, push-ups. Yeah, like that was amazing. Pretty impressive. That was, that's he was, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. ripped in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. then, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I know how hard those are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, so they, you know, get on the plane. All hell breaks loose. Um, uh, John Cusack is the the the, the mm. good uh, agent. Johnny Q um, and Cole is the is the, the the bad uh, DEA agent, mm-hmm. um, and they you know um, who's always uh, thinks that John Cusack is a you know a book nerd and you know they just want to blow the plane out of the sky. Speaking and- of actors making their own choices, I think. The Cusacks socks and sandals combo. I reckon that wasn't the wardrobe. Socks and sandals? You didn't notice this? No. This was pretty much the only way his character was established was that he wears socks and sandals Mm. because he's so crunchy and, like, intellectual. Big suits. Big suits. Big suits. That's actually a piece of trivia. Um, John Goodman was originally cast in the role and they couldn't couldn't, uh, find another costume for him. (laughs) 
That that suit was really Goodman. No. Fat shaming. No, I'm not fat shaming. It's not fat shaming. Like You're John Goodman's just a shaming. bigger guy. <laughs> Taylor cost- shaming. I'm costume <laughs> department shaming. Yeah, I think well, she's on the soundtrack um, as well. Mm, yeah. You should. You've yeah, got to look this like, up. He's wearing socks like and sandals. Those those suits are big, even oh, by man. 90s standards. Yeah. He's swimming in them things. I'm still reeling from the fact that you managed to act. Accidentally trick me into believing that. <laughs> um, we should probably talk. I think we've got a sponsor, right? Uh, no. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Everyday Coffee. Everyday Coffee Collingwood, Sackville Street, Everyday Coffee Midtown, Little Collins Street, All Are Welcome, The Bakery, and High Street, Northcote, Everyday Coffee at the Bookshop in Queensbury Street, Carlton. They're everywhere you want them to be, including your home, because you can order it online. Hell, you can take the beans home. You can do whatever you want with them. You can make love to them, uh, both literally and figuratively, although I can't quite figure out how you would have intercourse with beans. Hey, that's none of my business. You know, that's a classical liberal uh, escape clause. Hey, I don't care what you do at your home as long as it doesn't affect me. I can still be homophobic, but not sound like it. Now, I am going to riff, uh, the because this is a movie podcast, I'm going to riff all the ways in which Everyday Coffee is like the American Film Institute's top 10 movies of all time. Number one, Citizen Kane. Everyday Coffee is like Citizen Kane uh, because Orson Welles used to drink Everyday Coffee to uh, get rid of his ripping hangovers for being such a drunk. And Rosebud wasn't the sleigh, it was a bag of Rwandan deliciousness. Number two, The Godfather. Everyday coffee is gonna make you an offer you can't refuse, which is the delicious taste of everyday coffee. Number three, Casablanca. You're not gonna drink everyday coffee, but you are soon and for the rest of your life. Number four, Raging Bull. Everyday coffee is like a punch in the face by Robert De Niro and you look at yourself in a mirror later and you will have gone through so many experiences with everyday coffee and you'll probably be overweight but you won't regret a thing. You kind of regretted things but just go with me. Number five, Singing in the Rain. Remember that song from Singing in the Rain? Good morning, good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning, good morning to you. And then they all drank uh, everyday coffee. Uh, Gene Kelly drank so much everyday coffee with that cute little ass of his. That cute little muscle ass. Number six, Gone with the Wind. That wasn't a cotton plantation, it was an everyday coffee plantation. Number seven, Lawrence of Arabia. Do you think you're going to lead the Arab revolt against the Ottoman Empire during the First World War without the pep in your step that everyday coffee is going to give you? If you think that, you got rocks in your head, you dumb shit. Eight, Schindler's List. Leaving this one alone, folks. Number nine, Vertigo. Alfred Hitchcock used to pelt handfuls of beans at James Stewart and Kim Novak. 
uh, to keep them alert, uh, but he'd refuse to let them drink the coffee. He would just throw the beans at them. He regarded drinking coffee as cheating because he was a weird sex freak and an overrated filmmaker. 10. The Wizard of Oz, the uh, central metaphor of going from black and white to color, uh, was a metaphor for drinking delicious everyday coffee uh, in your gullet and opening up to a world of wonder and Bert Lars there and uh, Judy Garland has a real good time and uh, we forget about how tragic her life became. So that's all the ways that everyday coffee is like these classics of Hollywood. Uh, go drink some. So this was kind of uh, almost um, part of the, the Nick Cage action trilogy mm-hmm. uh, because Face Off came out later that that Which year. I'm now terrified to rewatch. <sighs> I reckon. I, I think, reckon it'd be good. Yeah, I think. I think. I think we, it's campy enough that it. Yeah, I think. I think next one uh, is. Uh, and, and, we, <laughs> and we watched that GQ video of Nick Cage like breaking down all of his famous roles, mm-hmm. which which is a great video. Can we link to it? Yeah, yeah. Because it really gives insight into how Nick Cage thinks. Like, basically, his entire career, he's he's trying to do this extra textual kind of. He's 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 pursuing something in his career, which is to try and do the kind of acting in German expressionist movies. Mm. Um, yeah, with with a dash of like kind of Brechtian mm. abjection or something. Um, and he says that, I think he says like Face Off is his favorite character. That Like that's the closest he ever got to Cast like Troy. this. Yeah, to this kind of wild like... Um, I think he's uh, this wild German expressionism inspired acting. I think he's very aware that like it's crazy as shit. Like, but that's what he wants to do. Yes, you yeah. know what I mean. Um, yeah, he loves. <laughs> like, but I mean, maybe this was just an opportunity for him to get jacked. Yeah, you know, I mean, he t- he tamps yeah, it right down in this. Yeah. Like, it's such a waste of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah, he only has that. There's only that one brief moment where before he gets released from prison and he boards the plane um, that he's talking to his cellmate. Um, and I can't even remember how he delivers the line, but it's something like, I'm going home, son. And he does this weird, like, kind of little, like, faint to the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just pure, crazy, unhinged cage, drawing attention to his own performance. But it's literally the only moment in the whole movie where he does just yeah. that classic vampire's kiss style. What about weird suggesting acting. that a certain person needs to put something back into a box? I thought, uh, you know, <laughs> put the bunny. Back oh yeah, in the box. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's, but that's that deadpan style more so than the like hysterical like no normal person in a normal situation would have this emotional intensity to a situation cage performance. But mm. definitely, yeah, that and the I, bunny in the box was great. And the and I have to say, like and it was it was sort of part of those, you know, the 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 um the hero sequences. And it mm. was the one thing like that I still 
quite liked, um, even though it's super dumb, is when he has the um, the conversation with John Cusack in the the airline hangar. He's like, "What are you going to do?" He's like. Save the fucking day. Mm. And turns around and I was like, okay. Mm. <laughs> and then and then proceed to twenty-five minutes of yeah. un unintelligible Total rampage. I mean this this is what I was talking about being confused. Like, but not not I mean, in in that it's impossible to follow like what people are doing or whatever. But also I I completely lost track of like where they were going, what the police were doing, what police they well, were. Well, they threw the transponder you know. out, so that's where you would know. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, they threw the transponder out of the whole fucking movie yeah. is what they did. Yeah. Just who was doing what for why? And well, so just, just to go back to my argument what mm. that Nick Cage's character is, sorry, Cameron Poe, is meant to be. Jesus Christ, his single-minded obsession with retrieving a syringe for his his, his mate yeah. who needs yeah. his insulin shot while people are crashing planes, shooting at each other yeah. in a complete showdown. Just and let him do, die. <laughs> it just looks bananas. You, you can never leave a man behind. Yeah. No. It's his buddy. Yeah, he's Christ. Right, so... Mm, he's Christ. Mm. Guys, he's Christ. Turning water he... into insulin, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, lol. I think it was um, Matthew 12, 24, <laughs> thou shalt never leave a man behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I get that they have, they're putting the Ranger uh, code of ethics on there. However, Although... It's totally Christ. Let's not forget that uh, Cyrus the virus yeah, in his prison a, cell. Yeah, like, exactly. He has the imagery of the Last Supper as a decoder device for the secret plan. My question for that, uh, yeah. for, about that, is who was meant to, meant to be decoding? Who is that actually intended for? It was intended for the people who work out what he's doing and then yeah. mm. break into his like, cell. Like, for, <laughs> for Johnny Exposition. Yeah, no, like, I, yeah, I think right? it like, might have been that the drug lord... Who had organized the plane? Yeah, because it was from, from the, him, it was not, in, and it was in Spanish. Um, but it would look like a from a lawyer's office, mm. and I think it might have just been, you know, it was um, uh, basically those things were sent. Oh, separately. it was yeah. sent then, to Cyrus, yeah. not made yeah. by him. No, yes. no, 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 no. Right? No, okay, that tracks. And that, and then because of uh, the the um, uh, the very like um, I like the. The drug lord, um, you know, you can just see him from a mile away, just like, oh, I'm running away. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me pull things. Um, one thing uh, that really sort of um, stuck out to me um, was because uh, the effects shots were so terrible mm-hmm. is so how much of this was all in-camera stuff. Like it was mm-hmm. all, you know, like uh, that that plane was doing most of that crazy flying shit and, mm. apart, you know, even when they're flying into um, the the strip in Las Vegas, mm. like those external shots with two helicopters and that enormous plane are flying pretty low over the, over, uh, they took the Vegas ad- strip. They took advantage of some hotel getting demolished oh, and some of right. the explosions are real. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. That's amazing. I think I think it was outside. I I um was looking at the trivia section of IMDb. I think it was like <laughs> why out, would you be doing that game <laughs> <laughs> outside of the regular uh, shooting schedule? And they like rushed cameras over there. Oh, 
or something. Is that, a fact? Is that a fact? No. <laughs> Is that a fact? 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 Yeah, it's a fact. <laughs> All right, we may as well go into we it. All right, well. so Kane, you have stepped up uh, to uh, drop some some facts. I am subbing. Yep. Um, you subbing for Seb? Yes. Yeah, Seb's up. This is the game Seb's show up. where I say three facts and Alex and Mike guess which one of them is an anti-fact, mm. an inverse fact, an untruth, a lie. <laughs> a um, yes. Three things about the production of this movie. Mm -hmm. To wit, in the original script, John Cusack's character was actually on the plane after the boneyard scene, but the film was already over schedule and he had to film gross point blank and the script was rewritten. Mm -hmm. Uh, The film is dedicated to an effects specialist who died during filming when a plane fell on him. (laughs) I'm so glad you find the death of a human being to be so amusing. Uh, and Mickey Rock uh, auditioned for the part of um, of Cyrus the Virus and during his audition he improvised by producing a razor sharp bowie knife both terrifying and impressing the director Hmm. I am going to say as much as I want to say number two, I'm going to say number three. Yeah, I think it's number three as well. You think well. it's number three? Yeah. Although, I hope that it's number two because <laughs> otherwise you're just laughing about a dead person for no reason. <laughs> and that's a plane sort of disturbing. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I am that cruel because you were all guesses are wrong well, to use John Hodgman's uh, phrase yeah. from... Uh, Judge John Hodgman. Yeah. Uh, it was a John Cusack thing. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I think you are because that was it's the most so prosaic. It was yeah. so boring, but that's yeah. exactly what Seb would do, except yeah. that Seb would still make them exciting. Sorry, that yeah. wasn't quite up to I, Seb's I honoured your legacy, Seb. No, you didn't. <laughs> wow. You did fake me out, though. Yeah. Yep. And now I know you're a monster. Good job. You too, mate. <laughs> yes. Good job. Yeah, well, Absolutely I mean, losing their shit. They were losing their shit. You can't see what they were doing. <laughs> Well, yeah. The funniest thing and they then ever a plane heard. Fell on him. It's, yeah. It does sound a bit like Alanis Morissette's ironic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you yeah, it was a rigged plane and the guy's name was Phil Swartz, R. I. P. Oh, yeah. oh, don't pretend you've got feelings now. <laughs> <laughs> um right. Does uh, do we have any final points on yeah, Con let's, Air? let's go some po- through some points mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um uh like, you know, they're meant to be bad dudes or whatever, but I think that they are, they really overshot on uh, Danny Trejo's character. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they're yeah. like t- raping 23 women and having like that too much. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. That is, ugh. Yeah. It's really good. It's, yeah. I think we have to be really happy to see his disembodied arm hanging from mm. a handcuff at the end and be like fist pumping in the cinema. I think that's that was <laughs> that was pretty funny. And they really and they really drew a line, you know, rape bad, murdering thirty people and wearing someone's head as a hat. Funny. Oh, that's all right. It's so yeah. Funny. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um what what occurred to me is uh there is I, I, I really like identified and nailed down a trope, which is like um 
a peripheral character who has not been in the movie before, usually in a car. Oh, it is goes, with just, that um, and and that perfect <laughs> casting of that guy as well, like the 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 the, the old couple. No, but, that's not oh, what I'm talking one. about. Yep. I'm just talking about somebody who's peripheral to the movie, going like, "Ah, oh, Christ!" You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, uh, that was me when I saw Nicolas Cage's character. Yeah. <laughs> I Ari Steve Buscemi. It occurred to me, <laughs> it was it was Chekhov's B- Buscemi. You know what I mean? You introduced Chekhov's Buscemi. Seems like a fun phrase Chekhov, to me because he doesn't end up. It's right. more the if second. If you produce act. a Buscemi in the first yeah, act, it's more the second. <laughs> I just thought Chekhov's Buscemi was a funny. That's funny, but not accurate. Sorry. Okay, I just let me say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I it's so it's kind of so insanely funny to me that like. Um, Steve Buscemi was this, like, Lower East Side, like, art dork, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was, like, in Jim Jarmusch films. Slash and, like, Yeah, sure. And it's just so funny to me that, like, he's in this movie. I mean, to some degree, the same thing can be said. Say, it's uh, Malkovich. Mal- yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, totally. I just want to run in there and whisk them away. Yeah. Um, why, uh, why do people always have to touch blood? You know what I mean? When when Nicolas Cage uh, goes into like the control, no, it was uh, John Cusack goes into the control tower mm-hmm. and like the the head of the airport, the tra- air traffic control yep. or whatever, he finds him dead. Yeah. You know, people always just and there's blood on the ground. People mm. always touch the blood. I you think. Know what I, mean? I think. And then look at it on yeah. his finger. You know why? What? Because it's a cliche, and yeah. this movie's fucking full of cliches. True. Mm. And but it made me think. Like, do do they teach you that at cop school? And because you know, you've also got to dip your your uh, oh, finger yeah, in, in cocaine, cocaine or whatever. Just double check. And, and do you reckon yep. there's some like <laughs> a dumb co- trainee cop who gets it all fucking mixed up and touches <laughs> the blood and puts the blood in his mouth <laughs> instead of the cocaine? <laughs> You failed. You, you can't be a cop anymore. Wrong way around, dickhead. I, I'd see that movie. The convertible hanging off of the plane, that was kind Which of funny. I, I, I have that. to say, yeah, watching... On any other day, that might seem weird. <laughs> yeah, they, they pulled that off. I, have to, I, I, I stopped my sneering and I thought, no, bravo, bravo. That genuinely looks cool and you've managed to make the effects believable somehow sort of yeah. like by comparison to it some was of the kind other of the one effects. thing that kind of had any sort of imagination to it in yeah. the whole thing mm-hmm. um and speaking of cliches as well like uh in the las vegas scene where some cops like peel off in motorcycles or whatever donut drops yeah you can't you you, you can't, can't not go to the cops eating donuts or, well. Can or you? if something runs into a into um, a slot machine, a slot machine then it obviously wins. Jump, <laughs> yeah. Oh ding, my ding, god, ding, it's ding, just ding. one thing after another, isn't it? Yes, yes. And that looks like like that plane would have stopped like a mile like <laughs> before it did. Just the plane just kept on going and going and going. <laughs> Much <laughs> like this movie. Much like yeah, the movie. I know, right? <laughs> well, uh, Alex, any final thoughts? I've just got one. I think what really occurred to me after watching both this film and The Rock as a mm-hmm. person in their thirties. This is what I want to talk about: is comparing it to The Rock. Yeah, that you really need to see these movies before your brain is finished developing, um, <laughs> because ridiculous adults pretending to be cool with sunglasses and yelling and cuss words, like what? What? 
actual adult is falling for that and thinking that's the coolest shit they've ever seen. It yeah. just it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing for everyone. It definitely made me wonder, like, uh, whether this director and Michael Bay, like, how much they're they're sniffing their own supply. You know what I mean? Like, like how do they think this is cool? No, I don't think they think this is cool. Uh-huh. I think they think they're uh, playing. They're playing a musical instrument in that they're doing it well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a certain. It's a terrible musical instrument. Yeah. But they're playing it very uh, virtuosically. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I think the only way you can analyze or uh, think about this film meaningfully is in uh, contrast to The Rock, or at least one of the most productive ones. Mm. And when we watched The Rock, I mean, we wound up with like, this is actually kind of a good movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Michael Bay's to be admired to a certain extent because he does something so genuinely of himself. I think is a strong word. Well, you know, I mean, that is, that, is the one, that is the biggest thing I think can be said for The Rock is that no other person could have made, made The Rock, you know what I mean? Uh, because it just bleeds Michael Bay from every ounce. And, and, and it's like this is why it's so bad because it's imitative. It does, I was about to say it, there is a skill to being Michael Bay even if you don't like the, the totally. filmmaking. Yes, there is a skill Michael to being, Bay whereas, is excellent at being Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, and this is just so imitative and it has none of the juice, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think another reason why that is is uh, I think The Rock was very good. I mean, in an – I don't th- – I don't think it's a good movie, but I think part of the reason it was such an effective movie is that it was built so solidly on this foundation of militarism mm. and patriotism. You mm. know what I mean? Like, like that is that is like this deep underwater cache of like sort of semiotics that 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 it, they can draw up into the film. Whereas this just doesn't have that. kind Well, it of, front end loads that, and then doesn't really continue to yeah. use it as an emotional core. Totally. So we st- set up with it that just weird yeah. why Nicolas Cage stays on the Weird plane. montage of yeah. poor quality visuals of yeah. rangers doing things yeah. and then, okay, well, leave no man behind. This is going to be the premise of the movie. Also, it's you got to get the American flag in the first 10 seconds yep. or yeah. they don't get any budget. So, yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. But, yeah, they're certainly not continuing to go to that as an in, like yeah. a, a site of... Yeah, whereas the... Was it Hummel, the um, Ed, Ed Harris car- character mm. from, you know, that was that ran through the entire mm. film and made him a compelling... Yeah, exactly. Like, like it kind of had a conceptual core or, or a set of signifiers that it could... That it could uh, sort of bolster the 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 effect of the movie in a way that Conair didn't. I mean, it's just a bunch of unlikable criminals and biblical imagery. Yeah, and and they couldn't <laughs> not get some homophobia in there. I think that that oh, yeah. deserves to be mentioned. Oh, you know it's I mean? deeply problematic from a, a range oh, of angles. Yeah, totally. But it's but it just it just they couldn't not get some homophobia in there. Mm-hmm. There's just a there's just a there's a, a character who's uh, Cross dressing, yeah, or and and is deeply feminized, and yeah. yeah. I don't know. 
I thought that character kind of had their own agency. It's true. And I also thought the fact that you could read the fact that Cage Slept. didn't want to. That is the thing. No, but mm, but, but what if she's a trans woman? Recognizing, recognizing. Then she's a she's femininity. he's recognizing that she's a woman, and he chooses. <sighs> he has a code. And his code is don't hit women. Which it's not really established in the film whether that character is a trans woman or a femme man. Sure. But I think you could argue that it's actually... I think when he's beating up... When he's source of joy and entertainment. And when he's beating up Danny Trejo, he's like, you don't do that to women. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like... <laughs> I think that I, I was surprised that that wasn't more... Uh, queer phobic, to be honest with I you. I got to admit, I had a similar thought. Yeah, they could have been played way more for uh, laughs at that character's expense, True. where actually that character was just ha- living their best life. Yeah, found the outfit they wanted to wear. They were dancing. People were just kind of True. leaving them be. So maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe you're just you're this. trying to yeah. find it because you you should expect that to be there <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, these totally, films yeah. are built on yeah. gay panic, transphobia, yeah. etc. Except that I just think this was I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I think that was not as problematic as it could have been. I you know what you're you're right. I was I wanted to make that point and yep. it doesn't necessarily hold up. <sighs> That's what I'm here for. Well, on that uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, we should uh, we should wrap up um, this episode. Uh, thanks, as always, to uh, Jeremy Watsman from Jackie Winter for letting us use this uh, wonderful recording space. Uh, you can follow us on all the Instagrams and Twitters and all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, leave us a rating and a review if you've got time. That would be great. Or tell a friend about our podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've been Mike Cairns. Over there is Kane Daniel. Suck eggs. And thank you once again for joining us, Alex Hey. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks to Everyday Coffee for powering my energy levels. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming, baby. Sha la la la. <laughs> <laughs>